Yeah, I missed it. Good morning. 
Glad to have all of you guys with us here this morning. Just want to go over a couple announcements with you guys. I'd encourage you to open up uh, your bulletin and look along with me. Uh, today's flowers have been placed by the family in loving memory of Lee Weatherby. We had a great pie fellowship this past Wednesday, so thank you to everyone who was involved in uh, all of that. The, the service and the pie fellowship was really good. And uh, just like that, as Thanksgiving ends, we're already going to start talking about Christmas. Uh, Christmas season has begun. Um, uh, trustees will, uh, will be meeting to discuss the budgets uh, for next year, so please let them know um, if you're going to be involved with that. We're going to have a special business meeting this Wednesday. Um, Dave will uh, mention a little bit more about that. But this Saturday, we have men's breakfast in the morning. It's at 8 o'clock at Diamond Grill. Uh, just a great chance for the uh, men to get together to enjoy some fellowship with each other um, and to have a, a little devotional for during it. And also, this Saturday at, at 5.30, we're going to be having our adult Christmas dinner. It's going to be in the fellowship hall starting at 5.30. Uh, the meal is being catered by Mission Barbecue. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. Uh, the cost is mentioned here, and if, if the cost is an issue, uh, please just talk to someone about that. Also, during the Adult Christmas Dinner, we are going, we are going to be having our cookie bake-off again. So that's a great chance for you to bring in cookies, uh, and, and uh, we'll have a bake-off with that. Uh, so day, today is the last day to sign up for that. You'll also notice back in the foyer that there's a Christmas card table. Uh, so what we do is every uh, Christmas season, we put cards that we're sending to each other back there. Um, and we put them in there. And then the money that we would save on postage, we then donate to a missionary. So uh, our goal is uh, to give that to the Rubin family in Chile this year. Uh, so this will be available from now till December 17th. Uh, we do also want to mention that next Sunday, December 3rd, we're going to be having a hymn sing, so there will be a Christmas hymn sing next Sunday. In the, uh, in the center part of your bulletin, you will see a note on Christmas poinsettias. Uh, we're going to be uh, decorating the service here on Christmas Eve, uh, so uh, if you're interested in being a part of that, you can uh, sign up for these poinsettias. There's more information in there about that, and then we can turn it into Dottie. Those are all the announcements that we have, so I'm going to turn things over to Dave. First, I want to start off with the uh, special business meeting on Wednesday, uh, and that is a result of our last business meeting. We had decided as a church we were going to put together a pulpit committee to call our new senior pastor, and by the Constitution, we also have to do that even to bring Jay into the senior pastor position. So the pulpit committee shall be formed consisting of the following members. Uh, this, will be, this is what we'll be voting on on Wednesday at 6 o'clock. That would be Dottie Hefner for clerk, John Croce to represent the Sunday School, Jessica Vaughn representing missions, Eric Irizarry representing youth ministries, Fred Peterson trustee, Mike, and Ron Guth, Mike McGowan and Ron Guth for the deacons, Tara Brandon for member at large, and Lisa Seitz also at member at large. Their jobs will be determined whether or not to recommend Pastor Jay Heckley to be the senior pastor of Quinton Baptist Church as per our Constitution and the position description of the senior pastor. If you have any questions pertaining to that, feel free to call, text me, whatever. Grab a hold of me, I'll answer any questions you got, okay? So feel free anytime to ask those. So let's open up in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, we can come together today 
Lord, we want to shout for joy to the Lord for all the earth. We want to worship the Lord with gladness. We want to come before you with joyful songs. We want to know, Lord, that you are God. It is you that have made us, and we are yours. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture. Help us, Lord, today as we enter these gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. Help us to give thanks to you and praise your name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. Well, I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And we're going to continue in that spirit of thankfulness as we sing this morning. Please stand.
Please be seated. And Lord, as we gather before you to worship your holy name, we pray that you are magnified this morning. We pray that you, we would make your name great. Lord, when we think about all the things that you've done for us, all your love and compassion and grace and mercy that you've given each one of us, Lord, we have so many reasons to praise you, to say thank you for all that you've done. And Lord, we just pray that this morning that we would magnify your name, that we would look to you this morning, that you'd be lifted up in each one of our hearts, Lord, that we would rejoice in you this morning. And Lord, we do come before you with uh, prayer needs, Lord, things uh, that are happening here within our church, and we, Lord, we do just pray for them. We pray uh, for Rotha Plummer, Lord, Ed's mom, and we do just pray as she's being taken care of and treated, Lord, and uh, just different health problems that she's having. We do just pray for healing for her. We pray for comfort for her. Uh, we pray that you just be with the, uh, those who are taking care of her. Give them wisdom and direction to know uh, what the best thing to do is. And Lord, we do uh, continue to pray for Debbie Townsend, Lord. We do just pray for her as she's recovering and healing. We do just uh, pray for a quick healing for her. And Lord, we do uh, just continue to pray for Josh Thomas, Lord, and he's uh, just been going through a lot. And Lord, we do uh, just pray for him as he's doing these new treatments. I do pray for uh, healing, Lord. I pray that you would just be with him in the meantime, that you would comfort him, that you would uh, just surround the entire family with your love and compassion and your mercy, Lord. And we do just pray that, um, that you would just be the God of all peace in that situation. And Lord, we do... Uh, just want to continue to pray for caregivers within our congregation, Lord. We do just pray that you would give them uh, strength and endurance and perseverance. Lord, we do just uh, uh, pray for Kelly and James, Lord. We praise you that they had a wonderful wedding yesterday. And Lord, as they start their lives together, we pray that you'd bless their marriage. We do just pray that you would uh, just surround their marriage with your love and uh, your strength, Lord, that you would be the first thing that each one of them pursues, Lord, and uh, you would be the centerpiece of their marriage. Lord, we do just pray for our church with a lot of the upcoming events that we have, um, the special business meeting, the adult Christmas dinner, uh, different meetings, and uh, just different Christmas activities, Lord, as we approach the holiday season. We do just pray that it's a time of rejoicing, a time of great fellowship for our church, a time for us to encourage each other, and a time for us to have joy, because that's what the season is about, a, a great news of great joy. And Lord, we do just pray that that would be the, the focus of our season here at the church. Lord, we do just pray for those families who are continuing to deal with sickness. Lord, I know that it's just that time of year that seems like everyone's getting sick. We do just pray for healing for those who are getting sick. Lord, we do pray uh, for Israel. Lord, we pray that you continue to uh, protect them. Lord, that you be with um, uh, just the different hostages that are being released, Lord, and uh, all the different things that are happening over there politically. Lord, we do just pray that you would be the God of peace there, that you'd protect them, that you'd protect any innocent lives that are involved. And Lord, we do uh, just continue to pray for our missionaries of the month, Jim and Roberta Hill. Lord, we do just pray that you would um, just bless them in their ministry, Lord, that you would be with uh, Transworld Radio and you would just uh, help it to really prosper and reach out into our world. And Lord, as we continue this service, we pray that our hearts and attention and focus would be on you and you alone. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. We're going to sing a song for you right now, and we hope that it will encourage you in the way that you express, one of the ways that you can express your gratitude to the Lord.
may be seated, and if there are any children in first through third grade, you are dismissed for Children's Church. Today's scripture reading will be coming from Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, we'll be reading verses 12 through 17, which will be the second half of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20. Verses 12 through 17. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Lord, as we approach your word now, as we uh, come before you, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would use your word to impact lives, that your spirit would be moving here in our church, that we would grow to be more like you as we look at your word this morning. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. So if you were given the responsibility to start your very own country, what would you do first? Maybe you would pick somewhere on the map for your country to be located. Maybe you would try to come up with some great name for your country. Maybe you would design a flag. But pretty early on in the process of starting a country, you would have to say, okay, we're going to have to set up some rules or some laws for how this country is going to work. Here in America, when we first got our independence, one of the first things that we did was we wrote a constitution. We said we need some laws about how our country is going to work. And this is where God is as he's dealing with Israel, a people who he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. These people who he brought out of slavery and he led them through the wilderness and these people who had only known slavery their entire lives and now God's saying, I'm going to make you into a nation. God's going to have to set up some laws and some rules. We're continuing our series here. Uh, going deeper with God, looking at Moses through Exodus. And as we kind of talked about two weeks ago, God led them through the wilderness. He brought them to Mount Sinai. He established a covenant with them. It was going to be a relationship where God said, I will be your God. You guys will follow me and you will be to me a treasured possession and a holy nation. And then last week we talked about the very first thing that God did after he establishes this covenant. It starts laying down the rules of the covenant. starts laying down the Ten Commandments. And we talked about the first four commandments last week. And the first four commandments are all about our devotion to God. Having no other gods before Him. Not having any images. Honoring God's name. Remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy. It's all about how we treat God. And last week we said that really the commandments can be broken into two halves. The first four commandments, which is about our love for God. But then the second six commandments are all about how we treat each other having love for each other. And this is what's really going to make Israel as a nation work as it becomes God's 
holy nation, God's treasured possession. And this gives us a framework as well on how we are to live out our Christian lives. We're going to see all these commandments are repeated for us in the New Testament. So we're going to be covering the second six commandments uh, this morning. Let's jump into it, starting with commandment number five, honoring your parents. This is in Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 12. It says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now what's interesting here is after God sets up some commandments on how Israel is supposed to treat him, and he starts turning towards how we are supposed to interact with each other, God starts where? In the family unit. The family unit is the bedrock of any modern society. It's the first place we learn how to interact with others. It's the first place we learn about authority above us. And God says this is where we need to start if we're going to build a healthy society. It starts with honoring your parents. Your parents are people that God put in authority over you. Now, honoring your parents looks like a lot of different things, especially when you're younger, it looks specifically like obeying your parents. And not just obeying them, but obeying them the first time they instruct you to do something without grumbling or complaining about it. And it involves listening to what they have to say. It also involves how you talk to your parents. How, well, how are the words you're saying? Are they honoring to your parents? How do you talk about your parents when your parents aren't around? Is that honoring to them? And then as we get older, this commandment doesn't go away. This isn't a commandment that is just for children. It's something that is supposed to be with us for our entire lives. So we're called to honor our parents even as adults. Involving the parents into our lives, making sure they get to see their grandchildren, being going to them with adv- or for advice, going to them whenever we have the opportunity. And as we get older and as our parents get older, it also means treating them well as their health starts failing. Being there to honor them even as they get older and how we treat them and how we continue to speak about them and to them. We're called to honor our parents. Now, I do want to take a moment right here and talk about parents. What's our responsibility as a parent? It's not actually covered here in the Ten Commandments, but it is covered in many other passages in the Bible. I just want to bring up one, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. After the Ten Commandments are repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5, then we get this instruction in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And talk about them when you sit in the house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Parents, what is our responsibility to our children? To teach them about God. In Ephesians, it says it like this. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction in the Lord. Parents, we are called to teach our children about God all day, every day. When we're sitting down, when we're rising up, when we're going about our day, we're to be teaching our children about God. The home should be the very first classroom your children experience. And not a classroom where they learn about science or history or math, but a classroom where they learn about God. This has to start within the home. 
Now, you know, I have many hopes for my children as they get older. I hope that my children play soccer as they get older. I hope that my children learn an instrument, that they get musically involved. I hope that as my children get older, they do well in school, they uh, get a good job, they have a good career, they uh, potentially find a spouse that God leads them to. But of all my hopes for my children, the greatest hope that I have is that they grow to love Jesus more and more every day. And that he walks alongside them as they go through the ups and downs of life. And that's not just a hope, it's a responsibility as a parent. Now, we can't necessarily control how our children turn out. That is decisions that they have to make. But we are responsible for teaching them the truth about God. So our first commandment is about having a healthy family. Brings us to the next commandment. Commandment number six is do not murder. Verse uh, 13, it's a really long verse. It says, you shall not murder. It's our next commandment. We're called not to murder. This commandment is about the value of human lives. All human people are valuable before God. And that's everyone, the rich, the poor, the great, the small, the oppressed, the oppressors. Those who have influence, those who don't, the strong and the weak. Everyone is important to God because of their value. And where is that value from? Is it about how you can contribute to society? Is it about anything you do? The answer is no. Your value is in the fact that you are made in God's image. In Genesis chapter 9, the very first time the murder and consequences to murder are brought up after Cain and Abel, it's uh, when Noah comes off the ark. This is what God says. He says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood shed. And then he gives his reason. It says, for God made man in his own image. Why is murder wrong? Because each life bears the image of God. And that makes each life profoundly valuable. More valuable than any other creature, any other animal that's out there. Human beings have a distinguished value that's found in the image of God. And that means that we have to stand up and defend that value every chance we get. Especially with those who can't defend it themselves. We have to stand up for human value in our world today. But then, you know, we come to the New Testament in Matthew chapter 5, and we see that Jesus builds on this commandment, and he adds something to it. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, this is, what God, this is what Jesus says. He says, You have heard that it was said of those of old, You shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. It keeps going to say, Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. What's Jesus saying here? These are huge Words that Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, listen, you've heard it said, don't murder, but I'm telling you, if you hate your brother, then you're guilty. Now that word hate is more than just kind of a quick flare-up of anger. It's a deep-seated anger. It's building resentment. It's harboring grudges. It's hating another person. 
And Jesus goes a step further. He says, if anyone insults his brother, he will be guilty. That word insult actually, uh, Jesus is borrowing from an Aramaic word. It gets complicated. It's not that important. But the word that he actually uses is the word meaningless or valueless. He says, if you treat your brother like they have no value, then you're guilty. Think about that for a second. I said before that murder is about the value of human life, and Jesus is saying if you treat your brother like they have no value to you, then you're guilty. We need to treat each other as value. Valuable to God and valuable to each other. So where does that leave us? What about us in today's world? Who are you struggling with in your life? Someone that you're harboring resentment towards or hatred towards. Maybe they've done something to you in the past and maybe what they did to you was really bad. But the Bible still calls us to not have that type of anger. We need to value them. Even if you say, I value you not because of anything you have done, but because you are made in God's image. Maybe that's a great place to start. If there's someone in your life that you have deep-seated anger towards, say, you're valuable not because of what you've done, but because you are made in God's image. And that's a starting point. And we can start to pray that. We can say, Lord, we know that this person is made in your image, that they're valuable to you. Help me with my heart. Help me to respect their value as a human being. Help me to reach out and Make a connection with them. And then we do that. We try to connect and build those relationships. Now, I'm not saying you need to have a perfect relationship with everyone. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm not saying you need to, have, you need to be best friends with somebody who's done something horrible to you. But we need to take steps to forgive, to overcome anger, and to respect their value as human beings. So that's commandment number six. Commandment number seven is do not commit adultery. Verse 17, you shall not commit adultery. This command serves to protect the family unit. I said earlier that the family unit is the building blocks of society, that it's the first place that children get to learn about God, but the fact of the matter is the family unit is also extremely fragile. If you've ever seen a family fall apart or if you've ever been a part of a family, who fell apart. You know how fragile the family is. It's something that can very quickly break apart. And this is just one of the ways that it can, is adultery. It's when we look outside of our marriage covenant. I said last week when we were talking about the first commandment that it was about exclusive devotion. God says, I want you to have exclusive devotion to me. And I liken that to marriage, that in marriage, we're called to have exclusive devotion to our spouse. And God says, you need to, in order to preserve the unity of marriage and what that is about, you can't commit adultery. And this is, again, when we get to the New Testament, Jesus then builds on this commandment and takes it one step further. It's not, he takes it past just simple, the act of adultery, and he starts to look at our heart. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 29. He says, You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman with lustful intent 
has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus takes things one step further. He says it's no longer just about your actions, it's about your heart. Are you lusting after a woman? Now I do just want to take a moment to talk about this for a second because lust, and specifically internet-based lust in today's world, is very rampant. It's spreading like wildfire throughout America and throughout the church. It's an industry that's thriving, and I believe it's an industry that's destroying lives. Internet lust is hurting ourselves, our spouses, or our future spouses, and it's hurting everyone around us. And if it's something that anyone here is struggling with today, I want to just say we need to do something about it. We can't let this go. This is how Jesus then talks about it in the very next verse after he says this. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Jesus is saying this is a serious issue. We can't treat it lightly. You need to do extreme things to overcome lust. So if there's someone here who's dealing with it today, I'd encourage you to do something about it. Don't just let it sit. Lust thrives in darkness when it's hidden. That's when it's at its strongest, is when you're hiding it. If we're going to ever overcome it, we have to bring it out into public. And that may mean starting with talking with someone. Finding a somebody who's mature, a believer, somebody who's the same gender as you, and going to them and saying, I need help. We have people here who would love to be there to help you. The deacons are here. I am here. The deaconesses are here to talk to women. And we have a counseling center over here who would love to help you guys if anyone's struggling with this issue. But it has to start with you. It has to start with you saying, this is an issue in my life and I need to do something about it. It's something that can only be done by the power of God in your life, the power of Christ Jesus in your life. And if we're going to do anything about it, it's got to start soon. I truly believe that this is destroying lives here in America. It's destroying families here in America. We can't just let it go. Jesus says we need to deal with lust. We can't go around dealing with this because it is committing adultery. I want to keep moving to the next commandment. Commandment number eight, you shall not steal. Verse uh, 15, you shall not steal. This commandment loves those around us by respecting their possessions, respecting what they have, the work that they put in to acquire things, and saying, I'm going to let them have it, and I'm not going to take it from them. When we steal, we undermine trust in the fellow man. When we steal, we also say that the item that we're stealing is more important to us than that person or in obey, than obeying God. That the item that we're stealing is more important than being obedient to God. Think about that. That's what stealing is saying. When we steal, we also act the, as though we are the provider in our own life. 
and God is supposed to be our provider. And when we steal, we take that responsibility from him and we say, it is now my responsibility to provide in my way. And the fact of the matter is that stealing is actually a big problem in our culture right now. If you turn on the news for just a few moments, you'll see stores getting ransacked, things getting stolen left and right. A lot of the major department stores right now are currently in the process of upgrading their security because it's become such a serious problem in our world today. And it's starting to affect literal society around us because it's running so rampant. But we are not called to be like that. We're not called to steal. So what are we called to do? It's not just not stealing. When we get to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, this is, what Paul sa- oh, this is what Paul says. He says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So what is this saying? It's, it's saying not just don't steal. It's actually giving us a positive thing to do. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be hard workers. We're supposed to work hard to make money and then we're not just supposed to use that money for us. We're supposed to use that money for others. We're supposed to be working hard so that we can give to others. Think about it. If stealing is taking something from someone else for ourselves, we should be the opposite. We should be giving away what we have to help those who are in need. That's the solution that we get given to stealing. It's not just don't steal, but work hard to help other people. We're not to steal. Let's move on to the ninth commandment. The ninth commandment is do not lie. Verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. This one's mostly straightforward. We all know that lying is wrong. If somebody's lied to you and you found out, then you immediately know how wrong it is because you're very upset that you got lied to. But what makes lying wrong? I'll give you three quick things that makes lying wrong. wrong. The first thing is that lying hurts our community. It erodes trust in each other. It erodes trust in the world around us. And if, if it does that, it breaks apart relationships. The second reason that lying is wrong is lying actually sides with Satan. Think about this in John chapter 8, verse 44, Satan is called the father of lies. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. So if Jesus represents truth and Satan is the father of lies, then what's happening when we lie? We're siding with Satan. That's a pretty serious thing. And there's one more reason that lying is wrong, and that's the f- lying fails to love each other. In 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, we have the love chapter where love is patient, love is kind. It does all these things. But then it gets to in verse 6, it says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. That love speaks truth and not lies. If we are truly going to love each other, that means we have to be honest with each other. And that's sometimes hard to do. In Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, it gives us this framework. It says, speak the truth in love. That's our calling, is that we're supposed to speak truth to each other, and we're supposed to do it in a loving way. 
There are two aspects of that. The first aspect is we are supposed to be speaking truth, even when it's difficult, even when it's uncomfortable. We have to have a true belief in us that the truth is always better than a lie. A hard truth is better than a flattering lie. And we need to believe that. But we're also called then to do it in love. And what that means is that we don't wield truth like a weapon that we attack people with every chance we get. Instead, we take truth and we clothe it in love and we approach them in humility and love and say, listen, we need to talk about truth, but I love you as a person. I'm not doing this against you. I'm doing this out of love for you. I read a quote this week that says, truth without love is condemnation and love without truth is compromise. And we can't afford to go in either one of those directions. We can't stand around condemning people. We can't compromise every chance we get. We have to speak truth in love. Brings us to the tenth and final commandment we're going to cover today, and that's not coveting. Verse 17, it says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Coveting is when we desire something that does not belong to us, something that belongs to someone else. It's connected with envy and jealousy. Coveting is a sin directly against God because what we are saying to God when we covet is, God, what you have provided for me is not satisfying. It's not enough. I need what that person has. Coveting is when we say, God's provision is no longer sufficient in my life. I want something else. Coveting, interestingly enough, is also a, a sin that hurts us typically a lot more than the person we're coveting about. Think about it. If somebody's driving a nice car and you're like, and you covet that car, you say, Ray, I really wish I had that car. Is that person's life any different by the fact that you're doing that? No, he still has that car. <laughs> it's your life. It's your heart that gets disrupted. The joy is robbed from you when you covet other people. Your satisfaction is robbed from you when you covet. Now, I do want to talk specifically about one of the main places that coveting is happening right now in our world today, and that's social media. Social media is a place where people can post pictures about the great things happening in their lives, and that's fantastic, but it's also a place where people can covet what other people are going through. Covet the good things that they could do, the vacations they went on, the nice new car that they got, the nice new TV that they got. It's a place where we can very quickly covet. And to be honest, that the place is kind of being used by, for that by social influencers. If you see anyone who's a, what's called a social influencer, it means that they use their social media platform to push certain products, to impact people around them. And they do that by getting you to want the things that they're showing you. That's, that's literally what they're doing. That's their job. That's how they're making their money. So social media can very quickly be used for coveting. So how can we use it for not coveting? How can we use it in a positive way? And the answer to that is to rejoice in other people's things that go well in their lives. When they're celebrating a wedding and they post pictures about their wedding, celebrating it and not coveting it, not being jealous of it. 
when they talk about the vacation they went on or the other things that happened in their life, celebrating with people instead of being jealous and envious of those people. And if anyone here has an issue with this today, has an issue with social media that every time you go on it, you just find yourself wanting things that other people have, I would encourage you to take a break from social media. You don't need Facebook and Instagram. Many people in our world today work without it. For thousands of years, people have survived without it. You'll survive without it as well. But if you can interact with social media in a positive way, I would encourage people to do that. I think social media has a great positive platform. We just have to be wary of coveting that happens on it. And we need to make sure our own hearts are in the right place so that we're not coveting those around us. We are instead rejoicing with those around us. So those are the last six commandments. Cover them all in one message. And all of them, if I were to tie it all together, it comes back to a single concept. And this is what we started last week with, and that is love. Loving each other. If we love each other, we honor each other. We treat people with value. We, fa- we are faithful. We respect other people's possessions. We speak the truth to each other. We rejoice with them instead of envying them. It all comes down to how we love one another. And we learn love from Jesus Christ. This is what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. It says, we love because He first loved us. Jesus is the one who taught us how to love. It's not anything that we just invent ourselves. We have to look to Christ. That He came to this earth to walk among us. That the God of the universe came down to be a man like us, to walk among us and to go to the cross and to die for us, to make the ultimate sacrifice so that we can have our sin forgiven. We can have peace with God. We can have forgiveness and a relationship with God again. That is the mark of love, God's example for us. And then it says we are now called to love one another. So let's love one another today. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you first and foremost that you loved us. We thank you that you came to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. That you showed us what the true meaning of love. That you loved us so much. That even today you're here with us, you're walking in each one of our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would have that love for each other, Lord, how, how we treat each other, how we respect each other, how we speak the truth to each other, how we do all of these things, Lord, that we would display love to the world around us. That we would be people who are people of love and people who follow after you. Lord, I pray that you would be with each person today, Lord, and if, he, if anyone here is dealing with any of these specific things that we talked about today, I pray that they would do something about it. That we would look to forgive, that we would look to overcome lust, that we would look to uh, not covet. Lord, I pray for anyone here today who's struggling with any of those, that today would be the day we start to do something about it. Lord, I pray all these things in your name. Amen.
God's endless love is pouring down on us. He has made us new, and life begins with him. Please stand.
So glad to have all of you guys here with us this morning. If anyone here is struggling with any of the things we talked about this morning and needs someone to talk with, someone to pray with, we will have people up front, uh, both a man and a woman, who would love to sit and talk with you and to pray with you about some of these things. We encourage you to do something about this message. It's not just something you hear. It's something we need to apply into our lives. And Lord, as we head out today, Lord, we pray that we would apply this into our life, that we would be people of love, that we would be people who look to you and display you and how we treat one another. We pray that you would be lifted up and magnified within each one of our hearts this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen.